Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. What's good, Internet? It is May 2017, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio live from Lobby One, Woo! Vice HQ. Doing it. Yeah. Monday morning. Man. Trying to get the energy. I'm still sick. <laughs> yeah. I'm still sick. I like guys. You, you faked it for a solid 45 seconds, though. I've been faking it for a long time, Patrick. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm good at faking it. Oh, boy. Let me tell you. Fake it till you make it. Fake it till I make it. And here we are. <sighs> yeah. It's been a weekend. Yeah. And I think we probably should just get into it. I like normally we banter for a little bit. How is your baby? How are there animals? There's animals. The animals are great. Did it poop? Ha ha. Yeah, there's a lot of poop. I think this time uh-huh. we all just were ready to talk about a video game though. Yeah. Unless someone has banter that they're desperate to banter about. I just <laughs> I just wanted to talk about what, what the a Vikings. great host. I'm just saying, I'm, I'm no, you know what? Transparency, Patrick. <laughs> Radical honesty. Yep. That's what I got elected for. That yep. was my platform. You did. The votes went around New Donk City, and they said, Austin Walker, you are an honest politician, finally. I could I could drink a beer with you. And then I said, yep, and then we're going to have some banter. And they're like, ha ha, that's why we voted for you. And so now I'm saying, if we want to banter, we could banter. Is no, this banter? No, this is meta banter, um, which is not actual banter. Prey <laughs> you haven't broken is a, your promise. No, exactly. Prey is out. Prey is a game we, we talked about a lot on Friday, uh, and I think we've probably all played a little bit more of it since then. Maybe not Patrick because of having a baby. I, pl- I played it. I played uh, another. Uh, well, I just wasn't at my computer this weekend, so sure. I, I was not. But I, I played an hour. The hour I found something to get annoyed about, but I'll, I'll hold it until until you guys get going. Okay, well, we've all played some more Prey. I'm about 19, 20 hours in now. Oof. How far are you and, and Probably Robin? eight, but I play slow. Okay, eight. Also. You play slow. Eight-ish, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's a game that, that I think lets itself be played slow. There's lots of detail to look for. I like to, yeah, I like to, like, get rid of all the enemies and then spend forever in the level once but, it's, like, threatless. But they respawn. You know? That's I know. the nightmare. You have, you have like... a little while... Yeah, it's it's like less. It's more chill. So I, I definitely had some nasty experiences where I was like, "All right, now that I've cleaned out this area, I can There's go and explore mimics. all yeah. the rooms." And yeah. then I walk nope. out and like have a have a close encounter with a uh, phantom. Yeah, and so it I got th- real. I think real. they only respawn if you at the point that I'm out in the game anyway. They respawn if you leave a zone for long enough, or it might be counting how many zones you go to or something when the respawn triggers. It's definitely. 
chill. Like, it'll, I, I, I've definitely encountered, like, a few enemies I didn't think were there, but it's not nearly as much as when you first go into it. Well, no, because there are times now when I go back to an early oh. place that I haven't been to in oh, hours. Oh, I see what you're saying. And it's completely I mean, refilled. if you haven't left an area. Like, oh, I right. cleaned out yeah. this general area, mm-hmm. and then, oh, maybe there's a couple of mimics that'll yeah. kind of respawn. Yeah. But it's not nearly like, oh, you know, there's six things in this this room, there's six things in that room. That totally. Kind of that yeah. feeling of, like, okay, I've gotten this place basically cleaned yeah. out, and I can explore to my leisure I'm gonna and do the side quest. Yeah. <laughs> that is a, a good feeling. Oh, I love for it. Sure. Live for it. So where are your heads at on this? It seems like positive, everybody. Very. Yeah. I, I'm really, really enjoying it. And I and I had some hesitation, if you if you recall, from, from sort of do. playing the first hour a few times, not having the shotgun. I was salty about that for a while. Combat was not fun at first. And then I discovered the joys of the glue gun. And now I am very happy. What are your joys of the glue gun? Well, like, I always knew, you know, having played the demo yeah. and then, of course, playing, again, the sort of first couple of hours, uh, you know, I always knew, oh, you freeze enemies with it. Right. Whatever. You can use that glue gun for so many things, and so many of them are so much fun. I'm actually writing a little piece about this, but generally, you can make, like, an igloo <laughs> if you want. Like, you can make, like, a, t- a little structure where you can be safe and, like, think about your oh, next move. Oh, that's interesting. You can seal enemies in rooms. Yeah, so that I've done. Oh, it's so much it's fun. Like, you know what? You I've trap already, them in. I got all the emails in that room. <laughs> yep. There's two enemies in there. Fuck it. Y'all stay in there forever. And then you can kind of watch what they do if there's, like, a glass thing, and yeah. they just kind of stalk around. It's amazing. I love it. You can also use it to traverse the level. You can, yeah. like, make a glue ladder So that and, like, was a thing up. I didn't know about until... Like, they show it to you that you can do that. Yeah, they do. And they then do. I yeah. didn't, for whatever reason, internalize it. And then later I realized that the reason I didn't get the shotgun early was that I didn't know how to do that, which to is the way I could have gotten into the place in the lobby where there's a shotgun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's so great. I just love that you can kind of, you know, quote unquote, break the game in certain ways. It's not actually breaking the game. Yeah. but No, it's the not because that's the it's design. It makes it right. feel yes. like you're breaking the game, yes. which is yes. the fun part of design that exactly. makes it feel like you're cheating when you're actually just doing what the developer intended. Exactly, which is such a good feeling. I, I felt it in Breath of the Wild as well with, like, you know, some of the stasis abuse kind of stuff that you can do. Uh, and I just love it when designers put something in where they're like, whatever, have fun with this. Like, we designed around this concept. We we put it in there for you. If you want to do things that were not necessarily intended, go for it. And I love that feeling. I haven't had a chance to, to use it yet, but I, I just came across a um – uh, so for early in the game, you start collecting ammunition for weapons you don't necessarily have yet. They sort of give you a sense yeah. of like, I feel like it's almost there to indicate to you, hey, if you're having trouble with the combat, that's intentional. Like, why did you find yeah. the shotgun shells? Probably because you'll find a shotgun. Like, why, why did you find? <laughs> and so what I found were like little darts on the floor. And I was like, oh, cool. Like, you're going to get a crossbow at some point. Like, that seems weird for the future, but that's <laughs> fine. Uh, and then uh, this morning, uh, for the little bit I played, I did come across... A crossbow, mm-hmm. but as it turns out, I never looked at the item description for the crossbow bullets, and the crossbow <laughs> bullets are, are are foam bullets, like and it's a Nerf gun. It's and a it's, Nerf gun, and it's and it's and its only use is it is I haven't used it yet, but essentially, like if you think about it this way, like there are some areas that you can't get into um, because you don't have a key card. But the yep. way that doors function in the space station is that on the other side of the door, there's often a button that you push as opposed to. Uh, oh. hitting with a key card. So I'm speculating. <laughs> I haven't done this yet, so I actually don't know if it works. This is me just, like, thinking through how you can, like, bend, you know, the rules of the game um, since I got that weapon. But there was, like, one area I wanted to get to that had an optional uh, side quest, but I don't have a key card. And I'm thinking, well, I'll probably find that key card later and I can come back. Or, like, I can mm-hmm. break the glass windows, but I can't climb through. But I That's probably could create... 
I shot one dart through, and I can see the button, and I'm pretty sure I could line it up and hit that button with a dart. Again, I don't know if that works. I'm not like spoiling yeah. anything because I don't know. But right, it's I one. It made me laugh because that's a hilarious <laughs> weapon to include in the game. Like rather than it being a power that like you shoot from your mind, it's like no, here's a fucking Nerf gun that you can like try and <laughs> knock things over and hit things that you're not necessarily supposed to. Um, and that just I, that made me laugh. Yeah. So I mean, the Nerf gun is actually how I got a pretty key weapon. Uh, because, because, like, I realized there was a tiny little, like, clear path between me and the magic door button. Uh, but you couldn't get the right angle to, like, get, to shoot through that little gap. Like, if you crouched, you were too low. If you were standing, you were too high. Uh, so I kicked over one of those speakers that's playing ambient everywhere in the state, in the, in the space station. And, like, crouched on that and had the perfect angle. And unlock the door. It was sweet. So it works. But the thing I love about the the shotgun, though, is that... Not the shotgun. The uh, The crossbow. crossbow. I always love shotguns. Uh, (laughs) But the thing I love about the crossbow... Ray has a good shotgun. It does. So, but yeah, crossbow. Uh, Is the crossbow... And I think think this is where you're going, Danielle. It's the product of these, like, deeply bored Talos workers. Yes. And there's actually kind of a sad little... Like, it's funny, but it's also kind of sad. Because, like... These like bored engineers in their off hours are creating like a Nerf war game. They're they're, they're gonna yep. be playing like assassins with, with, with the uh with with the crossbow. And you actually get a pretty good sense for who these nerds are and like what their day to day looks like and what their relationships are. And then of course you you know, they they sort of share the same fate as everyone else. Uh so the crossbow is like this funny thing, but also points to Sort of the the bored quotidian nature of corporate life here, <laughs> right? Right. Well, like that's one of the things that's uh, Talos One is kind of an interesting thing. Like I, I so I wrote a piece today about how this game feels more restrained than most of the other games in this in this broad immersive sim genre. In that, like, there's not it doesn't have the dishonored big dance ball scene. It doesn't have. Andrew Ryan spouting his big idealistic objectivist speech at the top. You know, it, it doesn't have those moments of high spectacle. Um, and partially, I've realized now that's because it's an office. Um, right. Palace One is not a city in space. There are a couple hundred people on it, not yeah. a couple thousand, not a hundred thousand. People didn't go there to live their lives and, you know, migrate to a place where their ideals could be realized. It doesn't take place in a cyberpunk city, like, or, or two or three cyberpunk cities, like the last few DSX games have. Um, it takes place in a big office in the sky. Everybody's a coworker. Everyone's a coworker, yeah. right? Even the person who runs the theater presumably is being paid on Transstar's dime. Yeah. Um, and that does suggest a certain sort of intimacy. Like one of my favorite things just in the game generally is that you can go to a space station, uh, uh, one of the, one of the screens, one of the laptop or not laptops, one of the PCs and be like, okay, uh, where is this person? Where is their body at? Yeah. It, they have a transcoder on them that says where they are, and you can hit the button, and it gives you an objective of where their where their kind of check in device is, um, somewhere on the station. And 
there are quests that take advantage of that, that say like, oh, hey, you know, the last time I saw this, you know, the you get an audio log that says like, all right, Jim, like you have the key to this thing. You just can you run this upstairs to the Arboretum and give this to Alex or whatever? And you're like, okay, where the fuck did Jim go? And you go to the security terminal and you go, da okay, tracking Jim. And then it like, adds a new thing on your map. You don't know if that's where Jim really is or not, but you can then go investigate that. And, and that makes Talos 1 feel a lot more like a Metroid uh, yes. uh, kind of map than the semi-linear like, Bioshock maps of the past. Absolutely. Um, which I, I think I like. There's a lot of backtracking that I've had to deal with. <laughs> That loading I, isn't awesome either. Yeah, yeah, and I wish it was a little bit faster. I'm playing on PS4. It, the loading is like long. crazy fast on it's the a PC, bit. and I'm not even <laughs> I'm, I'm not even loaded on an SSD, so I can't imagine like what it's like uh, uh, on that. So I can't I can't even read the interstitial screens. I'm so jealous of you people God. who are playing it on you the and beautiful. your PCs. It was, speaking yeah. of, the, of the PC, this is probably true on the PlayStation 4 as well. I, on Xbox, I'm, I'm not sure, but so I had this this ethical dilemma playing Prey this morning, uh, in which nothing to do with the actual, like, content, sort of the content right. of the game. But so um, I, I have something called the Steam Press account that allows me to just, like, a, load a game on Steam. And by default, like, it loaded the pre-order bonus for Aha. Prey. No, I got that, too, and I bought it, after it came out. Oh, okay. So maybe it's just something they're giving away, right? Okay, so uh, well, the way the pre-order bonus works out, and the way a lot of pre-order bonuses work out are, like, well, some of them are like just like here's a unique version of something that's already in the game, so you feel like you're special. Um, and then other games take the approach of like giving you like items and and like a one up in the world as a result of that pre order bonus. And that's what that's what Prey does. So yeah. like the way you find um, the shotgun um, in, in and you can f- I could find it in the the way that everyone else finds it by like, you know, uh, naturally discovering it in the environment. Um, and you can do that fairly early on if you're knowing where to look, but, um, in, with the pre-order bonus, like it's just in your office, like when you, which is a really early quest and you just find the shotgun and it completely changes combat. Oh, and they, yeah. they give you, uh, I don't know how early on do you get the ability to Austin, you can probably answer this better, uh, to replicate shotgun bullets. Not that early. Okay, so like, I have or, it two hours. I have it two hours into the game. <laughs> yeah, no, that would change that game, which is completely. bad. Like I, it, yeah. it, like I, I, I picked all this stuff up, then realized it was a pre-order bonus because I looked up where to find shotgun, and it was like, no, none of the walkthroughs said it just happens to be sitting in your office with a replicator for shotgun bullets. Um, right. So I collected those things, yeah, and now I just have them. I, I don't want to use them, but I have them. And, but it feels like I'm getting a slightly worse game. Well, like yeah. I, I've altered the like the balance of the game in a way that kind of pisses me off. But I didn't know what I was getting into until it was too late. So I was joking about this on Twitter uh, because like the early part of the game, you've just got the silenced pistol, or maybe not even mm-hmm. that. Uh, definitely feels pretty tough. Like the the, the phantoms, any sort of the of the walking enemies can really absorb yes. a lot of damage and can really mess you up. So I was joking about like, all right, you know what, screw it. I'm just gonna use my pre order bonus shotgun and, and the ammo. <laughs> but I couldn't do it because like I just knew like I was not like I hadn't solved the uh, puzzle for the real shotgun myself, so I wasn't gonna like use my walkthrough solution. And so I just played the first level, uh, which is what is it, the hardware section of the space mm-hmm. station? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, that's where you find the the crossbow gang, uh, as it were. 
like yeah. I, I ended up I was carrying the shotgun around and it was like um <laughs> you know it, it was like the, the 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 like sort of that it was like tantalus you know like every right. time I open my inventory the shotgun is there and all those shells and I was like man I'll bet I can make sure I work work with these bastards but yeah. I just I I wanted to see what the experience was like with that first level if you were kind of doing it with your crappy basic gear and it was probably a lot more tense like so you're judging me you're the, judging the, me is what you're saying you're <laughs> saying that 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 i went through there and shot those phantoms in the fucking face with a shotgun <laughs> and i played a stealth game through the and design played, of yeah. Prey is that there is a power curve that is about nullifying different types of enemies. Yeah. Um, and it's sort of like a fan in that at the beginning of the game, you're kind of guaranteed to get the solutions to low-level enemies. And then as you get further in, you have to start making choices about which other enemies to find hard counters for. So yeah. early on, like, you need to get the psycho... Psychoscope. Scope, right. As yeah. I say, psycho eye. Like. The psychoscope, which basically nullifies mimics because it one of the you were there. early things that you get for that is like, oh, I can see what a mimic is as long as I'm in detective oh, vision mode, basically. Um, right. And, and so that's just like, oh, okay, I don't need to worry about those. They're not going to surprise me unless I'm not opening a door while in this mode anymore. Right. Um, and it's it it does this. It's honest about this. It doesn't like spawn them behind you ever. It might respawn them in a room that you yeah. thought you had cleared. But as long as you go into a room and do your like SWAT four, sort of slice the pie, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> like look at the whole room, um, you're not gonna. You'll it'll pop up and be like that that coffee table is a mimic and like I got you motherfucker like yeah. and that feels good and you good can freeze it right away um, like then, you can glue it right and yeah. then the shotgun is a hard counter to the phantoms who until you have a shotgun are going to be a pain yeah um, or until you skill into having really strong like wrench hits or something or power up your but, little right. pistol but even if you power up the pistol it's still like just you have to dump you gotta get headshots and even then like it's still yeah. not great a few of them you still count an ammo um, yeah and so then like the th- at that point, like, I definitely hit a point for in the mid-game where I was like, ah, like, I miss not being powerful now. Last week on Friday, I complained about being yep. weak, but now I'm upset because, like, I go into a, a new area and I can just, like, wipe the face with all – or wipe the floor with all these guys. Um, and then I hit a point where it was like, oh, not only are the hard counters to enemies costly where I need to go down this skill tree to get something that, you know, prevents them from using their really strong powers on me or something. But also they're missable. Like um, I was talking to Sean Elliott, who is one of the game developers uh, just on Twitter um, and Arthur Geese from Polygon. Um, and I had talked about not finding the shotgun, and Sean Elliott was like, yeah, my last playthrough, I never found the, whatever the beam gun is called, the Q-beam. Q-beam. Like, yeah, I found yeah. some ammo is- for it, so I presume it's somewhere yeah. nearby, but mm, maybe not. I was like, what the fuck's the Q-beam? I'm 17 hours in. I don't have a Q-beam. And so I was like, okay, where would something could be called the Q-beam be? And I was like, I made did all the connections in my head. of like, oh, right. I was outside near the hardware lab once, and I couldn't do a repair because I didn't have the skill yet. Well, maybe if I do a repair there, I can come. And I did the whole thing. You know, there's a whole arc that opens up a new area inside of a place that had already been. And found this weapon that was like, oh, thank God. Like, this changes my fight against these three different enemy yep. types. And that's a really fun Metroid-y, you know, feeling of, like, not only did I – not only am I able to go back to a place, but now that I can go back to the place and open up this new door, I then found a tool that changes my experience in places, you know, C through Z. Exactly. Um, and, and that just, like, scratches the itch for me. Um, is there anything that's not working for Prey for any of you or in Prey? Or maybe not not working, but, like – that um, you wish it was doing a little bit better or that other games have hit, you know, the, the nail on the head a little bit more directly. 
I was going to say, I do wish there was a little bit more for stealth playthrough yeah. stuff. I do wish they, they had borrowed just a tiny bit more of Dishonored in terms of, like, actually, you know, obviously the, the enemies do have sort of, like, a meter, yeah. that kind of thing. But you can never really tell, like, if if you're exactly in their line of sight or not. It's, it's just a little bit a little bit more refinement on that would have gone a long way for me right. because I prefer to play stealth if I can I'm just generally if there is so. a pacifist stealth run I mean you can you can definitely upgrade a stealth power but it, it also yeah. like it's just a little bit you know it's not like you can you can pause look on the map and see sort of where they're turning sure. you know there's they're sort of sure. cones of sight or anything like that so a tiny bit more of that would be amazing and I'm sure somebody will do a stealth run you know pacifist run I, I mean so I've mostly been using stealth uh, pretty extensively, and I mean, in part because that first area I didn't have a shotgun, so I spent a lot of yeah. it like terrified, like staring at things through grating and, and such. Yeah. But I think what I have really been enjoying about the stealth in this game, as opposed to say Dishonored, is that <laughs> because to use stealth effectively, you've dumped points into your stealth stats. That means that other things are probably weaker, like your hit points, your ability to damage with a, a wrench or, or, or guns. Uh, that, those abilities are going to be weaker. So what it has that Dishonored lacks is that with Dishonored, the moment you're detected and you have to shoot your way out of something, it kind of feels like you activated cheat mode or god mode, and you're just like this cyclone just tearing these dudes apart. <laughs> but yeah. it also kind of feels cheap a, a lot of times. What I like here is that when you break stealth, when you screw up your stealth run, you immediately it immediately turns into a terrifying like aliens type situation. I gotta run, yeah, run or like really like panicked like suboptimal close quarters encounters, right? Where like <laughs> you're not like you're talking about headshots with the with the pistol, Danielle. If I were cooler, like if I were like <laughs> if I had a little more ice water in these veins, I could probably be landing those. But when the phantoms were detecting me. I was basically just like screaming and backpedaling and just like <laughs> emptying clips in the center mass. Like that was me. And so I would end up getting like really like jacked up from like melee damage. I'd blow through a lot of ammo, have to burn health packs. So I actually really liked that the way stealth worked in this game is that it didn't feel like there was this switch where like if you're doing the stealth run, you're playing one way, and that's a different game. And if you break stealth, you're playing you're playing this other game. It felt like they were still part of the same continuum of like resource management, which I really dug. Maybe this changes as the game gets further, but uh, in Dishonored, like your skill tree does is ultimately meaningless. It's more about customizing how you approach something as opposed to like actual hard choices that lock you out of other play style, right? Like, like it's, yeah. it's there. There's a, the the continuum of like what you can and cannot do in a Dishonored game, like is 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 not that deep. And it seems like Prey, at least, like I prefer, I like it when games hard cut you out of certain things because hey you chose to go down a so b isn't available anymore and i, right. I wonder like, in my mind it's like well a lot of the way these games work is like well i'll end up with 900 neuro mods by the end and i can just get whatever i want and i, <laughs> I would hope that the game would instead like limit you so that one you could make poor decisions if you decide to like spread yourself thin and invest a little bit in everything and that not become particularly great at any one skill set i'd much prefer the game like have you hard commit um, I, I wouldn't want like a respec option halfway through. Like I get why right. those things are interesting, but I also find it like more interesting when there's there's pressure on the player to like, hey, c- considering what you know of the world right now, like, yeah, like you know, go down this path and hopefully that pans out. 
Yeah, uh, so I'll say at, at 19, 20 hours in, um, I'm definitely probably not going to fill out that skill tree. Yeah. Um, I am, I, I'm happy with the blend of decisions I make on that tree where sometimes I'm in a position where I have five neuromods available. So, so a very small mechanical spoiler. You get to make neuromods. Yeah. Oh, um, you can craft them at some point. Huh? You can craft them. That's what the alien, like the exotic material, uh-huh. ends up being. Yeah, uh, it's not the only thing. You need some. You need some of everything, but you need three exotic material for each neuromod that okay. you craft. And which is which is interesting because I think it is the the little sister conundrum um, in this game. Yeah. without being very. Um, obvious about that it's a very subtle like hey each one of these you make is a little fucked up like hey hey you're basically putting a mimic in you heads up uh and they actually do something mechanical that's really cool that i won't spoil around that that is a hard choice like if you use a lot of neuromods and especially once you start taking powers from the second tree that unlocks um or i guess like the kind of you start with three trees unlocked and you get another three trees unlocked and as you start taking those the world changes in in an interesting way Hmm. uh in a couple of interesting ways actually but the you do get to a point where you might have a lot of them at any given time, and so you're like, ah, I'm going to sit on these until I reach a door I can't unlock. That <laughs> seems important, and I'll upgrade to my repair or my lifting things ability or whatever. Um, or there are other times when I'm like, oh, I really want that power, and so I'm going to just dump all of my points until I can unlock the tree in the right way. Uh, and I like the blend. There's a good blend of those yeah. two types of of kind of skill choice making, but I don't feel like I'm going to get everything. I'm going to have a character who had certain abilities, which I like a lot. Uh, There are all sorts of attack abilities I'm just never going to get, and I'm okay with that. Um, So, so yeah, so far I think that that's really good. Austin, I wanted to, you know, ask you real quick, because you brought this up uh, last week, and then it came up in today's open thread uh, post, which is that... It just doesn't feel like Prey has sort of that grand vision that sort of defines your right. your better shot games. And not the memorable characters. That like There are characters who have an arc in like System Shock 2, for instance, where even if you don't yeah. remember them, you remember their story, right? You remember Bronson, the security officer, yep. like waging her little war. You remember that creepy little hacker uh, on yep. the ops deck. Yeah. And you argue that Prey doesn't really have that vision. And So I think it has characters, but I don't think it has those same that same... Like it's not as theatrical. That's a good in word a lot for of it. ways. Like it's it feels more like the storytelling went towards the documentary end of the spectrum yeah. than the like full theatrics. You know, walking down the stairs totally. as what's his name <laughs> from Bioshock. Oh, uh, Sander Cohen. Sander Cohen. Yeah, Sander Cohen with his mask. Exactly. Doing the, you know, exactly. Or yeah. the the you know or or even Tenenbaum like kind of lecturing Dying with you. the trees right. with the, the you know there's all sorts the of those moments exactly <laughs> yeah. are. Are in the piece I wrote today, I described those characters as caricatures. They're very theatrical. They're very, theatrical, yeah. they're very yeah. spectacular, and I I think it's a choice to get away from that stuff. Um, yes. But anyway, Rob, I didn't want to. Do you have more to that question? No, I mean that's that's kind of where I was going. I think I think Danielle's really on the money when she says it's more documentary style. I think what has really been working for me actually is that. Megacorps are boring, right? We've seen every iteration <laughs> on the oh, it's basically a future Zaibatsu that like controls right. your whole life. What I like about Talos One and uh, Transtar, this, this company that seems to you know dominate the station, is that it is kind of bland. It is kind mm-hmm. of neutral. Like the first sign of the crisis that exists on the station, you find emails were emails to HR. You know, right. the, the first like the canary in the yep. coal mine was people going to HR 
about like just a bad, uncomfortable feeling about the work they were doing, which right. is so freaking good. And there's this one detail in the atrium in, in the lobby. You uncover a little placard that talks about the decoration of the Talus atrium. And right. they enlisted this renowned sculptor, but then they also had this uh, former street artist do the, do the uh, iconography in the place. Mm-hmm. And it all just rings so true as like, it feels more um, contemporary in some ways, but yeah. it's still an evil megacorp, but well, it's a so bland vision of one. That's the thing is that brand. like the yeah. it is contemporary. Like the aesthetic of that place is a luxury hotel from like New York City. I could go to the Four Seasons and be inside of Talos One, and that is totally okay. Um, and I think you're right, Rob, that it's going for that. That it's it's uh, a, a more restrained sort of sci-fi storytelling. It's it's it wants to have the corporation from Alien and Aliens. It doesn't want to have Andrew Ryan's, like, uh, rapture. Like, it isn't trying to do that thing. It is trying to do something uh, a, a lot more subtle and a lot more, um, you know, almost like it, it's worse because it's subtle, right? It's, yeah. it's There is something horrific about the fact that this company that is doing terrible experiments has an HR department. Yes. What I will say is that has not quite – it doesn't – something that doesn't sit right with me, but it, it hasn't left me – like in all the way I expect it to be is that it opens up with this amazing magic trick, which we didn't go into in detail. I don't want to go into detail with it here yet even. Um, But it opens up with a magic trick. It opens up by being like, ta-da, like fuck you, and it's great. And then it doesn't do that again through the next 20 hours. Um, uh, I did just hit a thing that was like – I hit a thing at the end of a quest line – I hit something that suggested another magic trick is on its way and – I'm curious to see how that will stick with me because at this point in any of these other games that I've played, in any of the shock games, in Deus Ex, in Dishonored, there have always been these sprinklings of those spectacular moments that set a certain tone, yeah. that make the the confrontation with Andrew Ryan in the first game, or in the first Bioshock, um, that make uh, you know some of the, the highlight moments of Deus Ex Human Revolution stand out because or, – or not stand out, but work – because there's always all there's always already been sort of big spectacular moments like so in in Bioshock One there are boss fights throughout in a sense with the big daddies yeah. and with and with characters like Sandra Cohen um, and I'm in that way when the big fight at the end of Bioshock One happens I think it's a bad fight but it didn't completely take me at the time out of the game sure. I think that that's a, I think the game at, ends poorly don't get me wrong but I wasn't like eh, hmm. Mm, bad. Uh, I was like, oh man, like that twist in the middle, oh, incredible still. Yeah. <laughs> um, so whereas here, I'm really, I hope that they can stick the landing because they have not built stairs out of spectacle. They've built them out of restraint. Yeah. And so if there's suddenly this turn at the end, like, ah, it might it might not land well with there's me. There's a I'm Mass Effect sure. 2 style boss fight. It's going right. to not feel right. Right. And, yeah. and I, I think I trust the team to have not done that because they just that's not what they're doing. Yeah. I, I, we'll see. We'll see. But, but also, like, I kind of wish there were – I think I have a piece in me that I'm going to try to get to if I finish this game in the next day or two about how the shock games have always been about like ideology or something, yeah. right? But this game feels like it's more about history, the history of this place, like the alternative history that the game is set in. It's very quiet about that stuff. Yeah. Like, <laughs> in, in the, there's, there's, there was one moment where there's this 
reveal of its alternate history where you see a very recognizable historical figure yes and then a death date that makes no sense whatsoever no sense and that's yeah, the only nod to the fact like oh yeah we're completely off script right so imagine yeah. that there was a, <laughs> There's the, a couple the other Bioshock. that though like the u.s didn't go to vietnam because legislators successfully right. argued against it <laughs> right so imagine Real the nice. the version of this game the bioshock version of prey you come down into the lobby of talos one and you see a statue of that historical figure <laughs> yep. and then a bad impersonator does that character does that human historical figure's voice saying like i'm glad on this day to <laughs> announce that da, 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 Talos no war, only space right. Talos won. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, um, you, so you kind of want that that Disney. I don't know that experience. I want this. I don't know that I want it. But you're feeling it. it's last. You are feeling it is a different experience than the Disney. Right, but I think like. that that might be just because I've played a bunch of these fucking games and they've trained me to expect that stuff. Yeah. That like Alex, the character who you who talks to you the most about the about Talos one, he's never giving you his grand vision. Um and I think partially, and this is the thing I like a lot about the game, is so you find your office. Yeah. And like, yeah, dog, it's your grand vision. If this game is doing something in the Bioshock mode, it's like you are realizing you are the... You're Andrew Ryan in this game. Well, right, exactly. And you are the most unreliable. Were, right? And this is where I think I'm really keen to see where these tricks go. Like, there are so many unreliable narrator hints that the game hasn't <laughs> right. done much with, but there's so many things that make me deeply uncomfortable about, like, what I think I know about this world. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And you. And, and like, you know, we played Breath of the Wild this year, a game in which one of my favorite things is you go to the Zora uh, city and they're all like, man, fuck you. Like, you fucked up. Our society got worse because you didn't do your goddamn job. Yep. That's a quote. That's all from this Nintendo game. That came yeah. Out. Uh, uh, but but so every now and then you get a taste of that in yeah. Prey where it's like – Morgan, you Mm-mm. can't trust her. Man. Yeah, there's a lot of God. I got another Morgan request today. There's yes. an email that actually says that yeah. literally, and it's very, it's very amusing. And so, yeah, way. I'm, I'm curious to see if they stick the landing on yeah. it. Um, I'm, I'm hoping they really do because I'm in this middling place where I'm really enjoying it as a game, and it's scratching all of those like the itches I have, systemic interaction, and, yeah, and like player choice and all that stuff. A little bit of that cyberpunk, um, but I stuff. can't yet think about the conversation I'm going to have two years from now about. Oh, do you remember when X said Y? I can't believe you know Z betrayed me uh, or whatever. And and it might be okay that that doesn't happen, but we'll see. I'm 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 curious. Yeah, I think that's going to do it for our prey talk. Today. Yeah, we really like this game. Apparently, it's real um, good. There's a lot of good games this year. Briefly, before we move on to the question bucket, Rob, I need to know. It's time. It's it's time for the Viking Minute. Tell me about your Vikings. Viking Minute called. Okay. Do, 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 do. Pray love. That's the sound Vikings. Little make. telegraph sound. Little spinning yeah. globe. Little spinning shield. Uh, anyway. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. News from the from the battlefront. <laughs> yeah. Now from Nordland, Ragnarvir the Viking has just. Uh, Ragnarvir the Viking has just. Please do the whole thing like ra- that. I can't. Uh, I can't sustain that. <laughs> Ragnarvir the Viking uh, has taken the sea. And has started raiding, except certain members of his crew, every time he touches down on a different part of the undefended English coast, certain members of his crew are like, eh, shouldn't we be friends with the locals? Maybe they, maybe there's ways we can sort of reach out to them and, like, you know, sort of, like, trade with them and, like, maybe do favors for them. And then other members of my party are like, look, look at that undefended abbey. It is full of <laughs> treasures. And I'm like, I'll bet that thing is really full of treasures. 
damn, I want to loot that abbey. But unfortunately, because I identify with the people who like live in places and defend things and build things, I'm like, uh-huh. I'll bet they have some really good fetch quests that they that they need me to do. Uh, uh-huh. Something this game is doing that, that I kind of dig is that uh, it's very... It is a mystical world that you inhabit, but it may or may not be magical. Is is the cool thing? Like, there's characters huh. for whom magical magic is completely real. Like, like magical creatures, spells, all these things like exist in this world for some of the characters. But couldn't it also all be explained another way? And the game, di- like, so far at least, like, pretty far in, walks this tightrope of like. Look, this isn't age of science or reason. Like you can re- you can puzzle some stuff out, but other people like believe that the gods are real and walk among us. Right. And you have to navigate like how to interact with the world based on these like competing understandings of how it works. So with that do you mean like you never fight like the sea monster, but you can go to a city and it's like sea, ma- sea monster got 12 of our boys, like they're just gone now. Sorry, like it sucks. I'm yeah. really sad right now. Yeah, that's okay. that's nice. that's kind of how it's working. Like you know, the swamp people, you know, the, the, the lantern men have been abducting people again. And you're like, well, maybe we'll go out to the swamp and uh, go, go address that. And you encounter some thi- some people that may or may not be, like, completely human. You're not sure. You can, like, okay. it depends <laughs> they on... They might be drowners. What do you want to believe about this world? And the right, game kind right. of, like, kicks, like, leaves that ball in your corner, which I, I find kind of a neat trick. Uh, I am going to say, we, we talked a little bit about this on Threes Ahead this week. It's not an amazing, like, game in a lot of, like, anytime you examine its component parts to talk about any single element, you can start to find the flaws. Right. But taken as a whole, it is, like, just a really pleasant game to have sort of in the background of your gaming life. Like, it is the ultimate, like, it's got a cool atmosphere. It's not going to challenge you too much if you're not playing on, like, crazy difficulty. So it's a really nice game to just sort of hop in, play like 30, 40 minutes, do some cool raiding or not, and uh, hop back out. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The tone, the magic, like, is it mystical? Is it magical uh, thing reminds me a lot of one of my favorite games, which is um, uh, uh, why am I blanking? King, King of Dragon Pass, which is a game in which, like, yeah, there's a magic stat, and you can pray to the gods, and things happen. But like one of the big things that happens is you go on hero quests, where you're trying to reenact the kind of um, the cultural events, the, hist- the kind of mythological events of your mm. of your people. But like maybe it's just you and everybody else doing mushrooms and like role playing <laughs> in the woods. Sure. But sometimes it seems like you go to the the realm of the death god. Like I don't know, it's weird. Uh, and I like that game a lot. So that game you're talking about is Expeditions Vikings, though, Rob. That's Expeditions Vikings. Yep. I got to add a question. So Ooh. for folks like myself that are not super hardcore into strategy games, but like I think there are a lot of people that play like Fire Emblem, XCOM, and like maybe that's like yeah. as far as they go into strategy. But like 
so not strategy light necessarily, like both those games have a lot of interesting depth to them, but aren't necessarily like, they just kind of flirt with the strategy genre. You know, maybe play a little Final Fantasy Tactics, but like that's about it. Like, where does this game, because you, you're so hardcore in the genre that like, it's hard for me sometimes to know, like, Rob likes this game. Does this mean I could like this game, or this game would go right over my head? So, like, where does this game fall in terms of, like, if you've played, like, Fire Emblem, XCOM, like, Disgaea, games like that, like, where where does this fall if you were interested in sort of what you sold so far? Pretty close to those, actually. Like, the strategy stuff is definitely backgrounded. Like, most of the strategy elements come with the metagame layer, and those don't even necessarily tie into what you're doing minute to minute hmm. all that much. Uh, okay. It is, by and large, a like RPG tactics game. So it's mm. it's much more Fallout Tactics than it is uh like even XCOM. Okay. Okay. So how many characters are you like controlling? Like how many people how many how many plates are you spinning? I guess is a question. You carry six characters in each battle. Um okay. but XCOMy. You've got a much deeper bench. Uh, outside of that. So with each encounter, with each area you enter, you decide, who am I bringing with me this time? The nice thing is that everyone gets skill points, at least so far, like, everyone gets the skill points, so it's not like your second-tier characters end up being benched. Oh, wow, I fucking love when games do that. (laughs) That's so good. So everyone's leveling up. Everyone's going to be viable. You don't need to be, like, distributing the XP. Uh, Like, your whole party is going to be at a certain level. It's just, the bigger question is, what kind of builds are you bringing out? Hmm. So it's, right. yeah, it, it's definitely like, it's, if you're looking for a really good tac- like tactics game, I think this is my big problem. The battles are fun, and some of them are, are, are actually really well constructed. A lot of your encounters, though, are, are very, like, you definitely just buzzsaw through the enemy. And it's not like, <laughs> it's not a tense fight. It's just like, okay, I gotta kill these guys. But that's, <laughs> that's, that's really my only beef. Yeah, I like a nice background game, and I like yeah. a nice tactics game. Like, uh, I wish every day I'm like, I wish that game was on the Switch just so I could have it uh. in bed or on my commute. Like, I I can't believe how often I'm saying that, but like, I wish S- Expedition Vikings was on the Switch, which it's got a touch screen. It seems it seems like a weird fit, but yeah, it has a touch screen. Let me just touch on them Vikings. You got to touch on your Vikings. Let me touch right. those Vikings. You That's know, all I'm saying. They have those very fluffy, you know, textured they got coats. Beards, they, they got, got beards. Coats. Oh, man. My guy just has such a beard. It's great. Oh, man. Good, good job, beard. Vikings. Y'all got that beard shit on lock. Mm. I think it's time for us to go to the question bucket. D- dig into that question bucket, look at some stuff, and answer your questions. If you have questions, you can send them into us at gamingadvice.com. Use the subject question, and that way we'll know it's a question. And that way it'll go into the right Google like label, and then it won't fill up our regular inbox. Again, transparency. Good thing. platform. Yeah. This one comes in from Chris, who I love this question because Chris wrote it to us twice and tried <laughs> to change it up. But I'm going to read the whole thing because right. Chris is like, I think the first version of this is bad. I think the first version is good. So You did good, Chris. Chris. Who says, I've been thinking about what prompts each of you to write articles that aren't timely, that are not timely. Um, there are events that will cause clusters of critical takes on games, new releases and their critical responses, announcements and their past and potential futures, anniversaries and their reflections. But what about those seemingly out-of-nowhere ideas? I'll sometimes come across an article that seems to be from some personal experience. What tends to spawn your thinking about certain games? Are there focal points of thought and ideas your mind enjoys wandering in particular? With no offense intended, there must be far more unfinished, incomplete experiments of ideas that have never reached a publishable state. Are there... 
are there thoughts that you find yourself designing, building, and but never satisfying your standards to make uh, the the thought whole as an idea? Keep killing it on the pod, uh, and Austin, keep Link alive. Link is still alive as of today. So, um, P.S. Uh, this comes from from Chris. P.S. Uh, I just made sure the domain name was set to auto renew Digital Pyramids for Life. Thank you, Chris, for digitalpyramids.com. And then, like the next, like two days later, we got another email from Chris. So. I just wrote an email, but I don't think it was very good. Maybe this is a better way to ask the question, though maybe very much not. I don't think I expressed myself very well through words, despite my best efforts. I want to be clear. I think Chris expressed himself very well. Yeah. Imagine a mind, asks Chris. The mind's ideas are the pooling of rain in a dense shanty town of stacked up 20-story high-rises with crumbling brick and missing sides. Awnings out. Thoughts of rain land on a sheet off the penthouse's makeshift roof. They use the awnings of past warmth and love to fly from one building to the next. Finally, it lands in a pool of reality and begins its descent as a river. Filtered through the hard, dark landscape of our reality, the thought comes to settle with its fellow drops in a deep pool, a mixture of our hopes, our warmth, and our changing perception from our experience. What are the awnings of hope and warmth that inspire your favorite thoughts about games? Thanks, Chris. <laughs> Cleared that. That, right that started up. like dishonored at first with the crumbling buildings yeah. and jumping but from then thing to the thing. The water comes down. But then the water started. And it was more like everything, it's like, like everything, the molecules abzu. and everything. Yeah. Yeah. You know. We went to some cool places. So why do we write about old games? <laughs> <laughs> Usually if I've watched something yeah. that gives me a new thought about a, a game or a new thought about a, a type of game or type of experience I've had in a game, uh, watching TV or movies or, or something, something my students make or, right. you know, so just something out in the something world. in the world. Yeah, that, that makes me something. think of, of that. Or honestly, a lot of times like, oh, it's been, it's been a few years. Let's go back to this thing that really meant a lot to me. Sure, you know, it's, sure. that's a, a like, farewell I, to go back to sometimes. A kind of informal uh, yeah. anniversary where it's just like, oh, I'm, I find myself thinking about X a lot yeah. right now for some reason. Yeah. How about how about you guys? It's funny. Like, the, <laughs> I like his presumption, which is fair, like that I just have hundreds of drafts of stories sitting around that just – Oh, I just didn't get that together and publish it. <laughs> the reality of being like a full time writer, especially like us, that um, uh, you know, sort of functions in like six hundred to eight hundred words sort of blog posts. A lot of the time is that if you have an idea and you've committed two hours to writing it, that shit goes online. Like regardless of like right. how psyched you are about where that idea landed, <laughs> make it good. Not that get it not out. that there aren't like you know some that you can pull the ripcord on every once in a while. But if I yeah. think back to the last couple of years of writing, it is rare that I begin on something and then finish it and then that doesn't go on the page. Now, the story – the idea may change along the way, but there, there, it is exceedingly rare to the point that I don't even know if I've had one over the last couple of years where like if I've written 800 words – Dog, those 800 words are going up on a website because right, I put right. the time in and that's what I'm asked to do on a daily basis. So it's more like if things get axed, they happen long before I start thinking through. And that's partially uh, because I've done this for a long time. So like I have a pretty good filter at the point where I'm going to put 
you know, digital pen to digital paper that if I'm going to start writing something, I've got a pretty good gut feeling that it's something worth exploring. Whereas like when you're earlier years of writing, when you're still figuring out your voice and stories that will be effective or things you want to tell, that's when you spend a lot of time experimenting with ideas that don't go anywhere. Yeah, you sort of totally. mature as a writer, the stuff that you sit to do tends to like a certain core idea stays along the way and you and you find your way to some conclusion it's sort of the cruft that you're like getting rid of as you're refining that idea um it's very rare that i actually completely abandon something unless it's like i sent some questions to an to a developer and they sent me bad answers back and i can't do anything with it like with them usually yeah. it's like if some other piece falls out that is doesn't involve me then a story might die but otherwise i, I see most things to to a conclusion <laughs> Yeah, you definitely get better, at least I have, at saying, like, no, I actually don't have the chops or time to write this story. I'd love to write this deep dive into XYZ, but it's, just, it's not feasible, so I'm not going to start working on it. Um, I probably have more unfinished drafts than you, Patrick, but that's because I get pulled into meetings a lot here. <laughs> um, we're like, oh, man, I really want to write about AI in games in quarter one. Like, oh, it's quarter two now? Shit. Okay. <laughs> I just haven't had the time to sit down and hammer that out. But I think that's different. Like, if you were yeah. – like, if you didn't have those responsibilities yeah. and you were just sitting and doing pure writing, those ideas would yep. have been finished as opposed to ideas abandoned because you realized halfway through there wasn't anything to say. Totally. Totally. Rob, as, as someone who has done a ton of writing. Yeah. Um, so when you're a freelancer, it's definitely a lot more like what Patrick was describing. Like – it's not awnings of like like hope and aspiration that are, that are sort of catching these thoughts. It's like imagine a river and a parched town that needs water to live, and that river can never stop flowing. You're just hacking out like new channels to keep feeding it, or else you all starve. Uh, but yeah, in terms of like when when it, when it comes to like revisiting old games and like. I guess sort of when you're when you when you're writing something that's not really speaking to something in the discourse or isn't really like uh, in tune with whatever the hot stories of like this week are. Whenever you're sort of writing something that's not necessarily contemporary, I think a big part of it is a lot of times for me at least I'll be playing something old and I'll find a new resonance for it, like something that in this yeah. historical moment, in this in the conversations that are happening right now in games or beyond games. I find something in this older experience that somehow relates to something that we're all experiencing now or somehow foretells something that we're experiencing that like there's something there that you didn't see before, but now the context has changed and you play this game here and suddenly it's interesting in a new way. And that is usually like when that happens, that's usually where I have my, okay, I got to write this down moment. And a lot of times those ideas sort of, fade with the you know with yeah. the morning sun like you you wake up and you're like ah, you know that's not really that's not really an interesting idea but some of them linger and they keep developing and then you you know find yourself gutting them out uh you know in, in the middle of the night yeah that's that's pretty much where i'm at on, on a lot of the stuff too is like uh something it's kind of like the same thing you were saying daniel it's like something in the world will bring me back to a yeah. thing um, it's rare for me that it's just like, oh, I have a hankering to go play that old game again. Right. But it's like, oh, we've been talking about zombies a lot recently. I'm going to do this thing on State of Decay uh, or, or or something like that. Um, or, or just like a sometimes something else, which is just like 
I will find a way to write about something that's been in my head for 12 years, but that I've never had the opportunity to because there is suddenly an opportunity. And I might not even peg it as cleanly as I could or whatever, or maybe I will. But, but you know, that, that, that stuff I think is – there's inspiration everywhere for me. Yes. Like, but it's rare that I'm like, OK, this is a thing I need to write and then it doesn't get written. Like even if that means staying up late, even if that means working from the office extra late when actually people leave and I can actually get writing done. It's a little um, quieter here. It's, it's <laughs> nice to write here at night. Like yeah. it really is. Yeah. Uh, but that means staying here until night. So I will say on that note as well, just it, very, very briefly, that uh, getting outside of playing a game gives me my best thoughts about games. Yeah. Always. Uh, I know a lot of people have, like, the shower thing. Like, I'll oh, have my yeah. best thinking. I do, I do it while running or, like, you know, my ambulance or something. It's always, like, when I'm completely outside of the experience of playing a game, that's when I have my best and clearest thoughts about playing games. Yeah. I don't know why, but that's just how it works. So Yeah, I'm with you. Like, I, <laughs> I you know, say what you will about Mad Men. Like, I, I know that that show does, has, has had an arc of, of sure. <laughs> you know, worship to kind of criticism to who knows. Um, but there's a line in the first season in which Don Draper is uh, speaking to one of his mistresses, the the I think she was a the department a copy writer. No, the no, not not her. the actual the, writer, the actual yeah, writer, yeah, yeah. the writer. I think she, she maybe did like um, oh uh, yes, like yes, 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 birthday remember. cards. Yes, and, his, his original just, mistress. She's a copy. Yeah, his yes. original mistress. Mistress um, number one. Mistress number one. Artist. <laughs> she's an artist. Hip. Yeah. yeah. Um, his thing is like, hey, like basically, like, trust the process. Do a lot of work. Think, you know. Uh, think about it really, really hard, and then stop, and then stop thinking about it. Which I think in that scene is just a way for him to be like, "You've done enough work. Come to bed." Yeah, but <laughs> it is that sort of think about it really hard, and then don't, and then stop thinking about it works for me so so well. Where I'm like playing a thing, I'm taking notes, I'm like, ah, I kind of have basic ideas, but they're not quite congealing. Yeah. And then it's the shower, or out yep. for a walk, or or doing errands, and like, oh, stop! I have to write this down. I figure yeah. it out. I hit this. This exact phrase came to me. And now I have to write this thing, um, and that's uh, that's a good feeling. Such a good feeling. Yeah. yeah. Again, especially when you can like give yourself the time to do it. So, yeah. all right, one more question. This one comes in from Scott, and it is about it's about our, our work oh, uh, cool. responsibilities. Hey, Waypoint crew. This is the first time I've written to a gaming podcast, despite the fact that I've been listening to them since my freshman year in high school. Oh. I've been extremely grateful to the importance of these podcasts on both helping me through tough times and acting as an outlet to more serious and troubling issues. See the past year of political gaslighting. <laughs> yep. Uh, I, ask, I write in to ask all of you your opinions on accepting a job opportunity that you think, read, know, that you do not have the capability of performing to an acceptable level. <laughs> just a little – just a – to give a little context, I'm currently going into my junior year of undergraduate studies next fall. I've been offered an opportunity to be managing photo editor uh, on an offshoot magazine, magazine of my school newspaper. The reason I believe I have no place being in this position is because I'm an economics major and have only been the staff photographer uh, on the newspaper for a year. The magazine is relatively new, only two years old as of now, so I think it might be fun uh, of part uh, – I think it might be fun to be a part of creating an office culture between editors, but I seriously think I'm underqualified. So a concise version of my question. Have any of you accepted a job or other opportunity that came with a relatively large amount of responsibility that you did not think you were ready for? And in general, how much uncertainty are you willing to put up with for a new employment experience? I will not be paid for the position, so that is why I've used a combination of the words job and opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys for everything you do and keep up the good work. Thank you, Scott. Anybody, ever, anybody here ever take a job they weren't sure they were qualified for? Every day. 
It's it's a tough thing being in the world, isn't it? I don't know. Uh, I, I mean, would... I don't. I think um, I don't have a direct uh, sort of analog to like a like a job I've taken that I thought yeah. like, here an opportunity came. Like I'm gonna. Uh, I mean. You certainly feel that to a certain extent. You know, imposter syndrome exists all the time when you start something new. Um, But uh, for me, it's more like wading into stories that I don't know a lot about, Mm, right? And I experience this a a lot when, uh, you know, I take a long spectrum of like the last like, you know, five to seven years of my life as I started writing more uh, and being interested more in like, like gender and sexuality issues that like as that was beginning to intersect in public discussion of video games and the communities of video games. Like there were things where I didn't have language or things where I didn't have a great understanding of different life experiences. But it's like the the choice was to not write about what is actually happening or to uh, uh, to try and get in there to feel uncomfortable, to know that like – I'm probably, you know, I'm probably gonna fuck this up. Like, I'm not gonna write the best pieces. I'm not gonna have the best insights. I'm not gonna have all the vocabulary. But I need to get in there because I thought it was worth it to get to the other side, whatever the other side is of of beginning to understand and wrap my head around that. So it's not, that's not, you know, that's like a I think an easy version to understand that with like uh, sex and gender and a lot of those conversations that have been very prominent in video games in the last like five to ten years, but I, I take that to all sorts of stories, big and small, um, that are even less heated than than that specific topic. But I that is something that I often push myself a, a lot in the, the stories that I'm researching because I I I have, feel I have precious few other skills um, to do other jobs in the future, and so I'd like to keep enjoying the job that I do. Yeah. And like one of the best ways to keep enjoying that is to constantly – kind of stress yourself out by trying to learn and understand new things. Otherwise, the complacency is what will kill my interest in doing this, you know, 10, 15 years from now. So I I, I find that sort of trip into the unknown, um, you know, try to, try to do it responsibly, but like exciting because it's part of what keeps my job interesting for myself. Totally. Yeah. I think that's, that's pretty on point. Rob, how about you? Uh. Around this time last year, I stopped being a freelancer and I took a very corporate job. And I was really worried it was going to be this like night and day difference where I just hadn't developed any of the skills to survive in corporate life after like almost a decade of working for myself, being being a freelancer, keeping my own schedule. Um, and and so I definitely had this doubt that like that I had that I had the skills to succeed in a role like that. Two things I discovered. Uh, one is that a lot of people don't have those skills, and that doesn't stop them from <laughs> taking those jobs, man. Like for sure, do, like you know, you know, good people have self doubt. The shitty ones do not, and they will they will step right on up and take those jobs. So <laughs> right. the fact that you're yeah. like questioning whether or not you really belong there also means you're the sort of person who will put in the work to make sure you do the job right. And a lot of people who don't have that self-doubt will not do that. Uh, that is true. So I... I've seen those people. I've dealt with those people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I actually, like, self-doubt is your friend because I think self-doubt is also something that drives you to being responsible and humble. Uh, as yeah. far as... So t- taking that job and, and having that experience, um, a lot of jobs... Photo editing might be different because, like, photography is, like, a legitimate, like, skill and craft uh, that, that you have to hone. I understand the hesitation. 
Uh, but a lot of jobs are about how you relate to your coworkers and yeah. make sure stuff gets done. And that's just stuff that, you know, is it's going to be like that at every job. And that's a skill that everyone's going to have to learn. Not everyone's going to be equally good at it. It's it's a good opportunity to to find out if it if it works for you or not. Later, I got some responsibilities of that job that were truly terrifying, like budgets that didn't. Uh-huh. I was seeing budgets. Money that, is weird. Yeah, yeah. Because I knew <laughs> money I, is weird. I I'd, I'd be looking at a budget and I was like, I know what I used to make per piece. And you're yeah. you're entrusting uh-huh. you're entrusting me with with this? Yeah. You're like <laughs> Yeah, like I I know how much the seventy two hour launch stream cost. And the first time I heard that number, I was in a room where I was not allowed to go like whoa <laughs> But I like I, I yep. oh wow, yeah, uh huh. Yeah, that, that well, adds that, up. That sounds about right. Privately yeah. it's like yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm making my eyes for the podcast listeners. My eyes just got very big. Yeah, and like, so you'll have those moments where like you you are executing projects that a year 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 ago, two years ago, were inconceivable. Like you would never be the person yeah. in the room making this stuff happen. You'd never be the company like this, like leading initiatives like like the that you're discussing. And a you realize that most people are faking it. The yep. people that actually know their shit are worth their weight in gold, and you should learn everything you possibly can from them. Yeah. And then you just enjoy the ride, because not many people find right. themselves in those positions. And it is fun to sort of, like, get to be make-believe businessman, <laughs> make-believe manager. It's, <laughs> Fake it till you yeah, make it. It's, it's cool. When he's hostile walker, 2017. Uh, it. So what I'll say to Scott, like, heads up, or, like, or straight up, rather, is, like, to Rob's point, like chances are you're being considered for this job or this opportunity not only because you have uh, you're good as a photographer or something but because someone thinks that you have the skills to manage other people to keep the office environment productive and good that you've given good advice before um and that you're someone that they want as part of the team they might even you know it's a photo editor job which means that they might just think you have a really good eye yeah. that like your own work and the comments you've made on other photos and and other aesthetic choices has have been insightful and have been line with with what the aesthetic of the magazine is. Um, And so, you know, uh, that's probably enough for what this is, for, you know, a school magazine. Um, That is probably enough for you to be like, yeah, let me go in there and try to get that experience. Maybe they're completely wrong, but if so, that's kind of on them and not you, right? Like if someone takes that bet on you, they're taking that bet on you and, and they're the person who made that bet. It's your job to try to like do well at it and learn as much as you can, but not necessarily to like like back out because you're not quite sure if you're up to the task. Um, now, if you feel like you're not up to the task in all those other ways where you think like, oh, actually, I kind of hate everyone in that office. Uh, I don't <laughs> think I'd be able to keep this time. Uh, I think I'm not even going to be able to show up to the job, let alone figure it out. Then like, yeah, maybe have that honest conversation with yourself. Um, yeah. I did that when I got in my first master's program right out of undergrad. I was like, I'm getting the bio. I think I've told the story before, but like there was a summer during which we were everybody had to send around their biography about what they've been doing lately and what their like philosophical like area of expertise was. Um, and I was okay on the philosophical area of expertise. I'd been a decent student. I had a, a specialty, um, but like my life experience was like I'm just out of college and also <laughs> I'm broke and I can barely afford this at all. I'm taking. I have to take out a billion loans uh, that I don't know that I'm even qualified for. And then everybody else is like, well, I just got back from the European Philosophy Conference. Oh, I just got back from a year spent in East Asia. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm running a small business. I'm like, I got I to gotta go. Bye. Like, you're all in a place 
where you are responsible in a way that I am not yet responsible. Well, and then there's and also, so, like, as you get older, you sort of yeah. realize what – like, so I'm at the age where, like, I know, like, I'm not – I don't ever really want to be in, like, a big management position. Like, I like what I do. I know what I'm good at. Like, to pull back the veil a little bit, like, before Waypoint was Waypoint, like, Austin and I interviewed for the same job. And yep. I uh-huh. <laughs> didn't want to move to New York, so I was I was out of the running very early because I had just bought a house and had a kid and blah blah blah. Right. But like one thing I realized after that floated away was like I have zero interest in that <laughs> job. Like because yeah. what I like doing is like I feel like I'm a really good reporter. I'm like a I like being like a support beam as part of a website. But I just didn't have the interest, and I don't think the skills to like be a good like leader, visionary, and manager. And, like, I'm not just saying that to, to, to puff up Austin's. I think he's good at those things. I appreciate I just it. realized I didn't want, like, it was one of the first times I had the opportunity to, like, realistically potentially have one of those sort of, like, very few coveted spots. Like, if you do this for a living, it's, there's not very many opportunities where you get to kind of, to, to run something if you if you wanted to. And I decided I didn't want that because I I've done this long enough to know I don't need to take on that to discover if I'm good at it. I just don't think I'd be good at it. I don't want it. Right. And so I just sort of said, okay. And, like, that's kind of happens as you get older once you have enough of those experiences bumping up against situations where uh, you know I'm not ready for, for it. You realize at some point it's like it's not because I couldn't do it or, or couldn't try to do it. I just don't want to do it. I don't think I'd be good at it. And that's not a failure. That's just who I am and where my skill set is. What, what right. I love about this right. story, and this is a really quick aside, and then I, and then I really want to hear what – because Danielle's done literally every job, so I, I'm curious what her take yeah, on this would be. True. Uh, but there sure. was this piece I want to say, in, like it might have been the, in the in the Times a couple months ago. But basically, it was like how uh, there's this like cult of leadership, like that everyone like everyone needs to demonstrate leadership abilities. And the answer is like no, not really. Like there's not that many jobs where you need to be a leader. Like not many things need to be managed. Not many things need some sort of like freaking visionary or disruptor, you know, taking care of the department. A lot of things just need someone who's willing to play a role, get really good at it, and do it again and again. But sort of life in America, corporate culture is and education culture is so, like, myopically focused on, well, in order to be, like, a really good, effective worker, you need to, you need to lead. You need to take over right. and manage everything you possibly can. Yeah. I, I would say specifically to Scott that you're in college now, which is a safe place to yes. experiment with these things. It's a safe place to be like, oh, I don't know. If you're on the fence, you really actually don't know if you're ready for it. This is the time, my friend. You you are you are relatively safe. I, I hope right. I, I hope that you're in a place that like your tuition money is okay and that sort of thing. But in terms of if if you are safe financially, you're you know, you're paying for school, you've got your loans, whatever it is, and you have the opportunity to do something. Do it. Right. Do it, right. do it, do it. Absolutely find out the things that you love. Find out the things that you're going to be good at. This is the last safe time in your life right. to do those Cause things. Because if you're wrong and they're like, <laughs> listen, buddy, you got to go. You're terrible at this. Then you know. Then you know. And then in, in 10 years, you'll be at a party and be like, yeah, I was the uh, I was the managing photo editor of a magazine once. They fired me because I am bad at that. <laughs> but like, you, and that's but a you won't good be out on the story. street because you, you were fired from a right. job. Right. Like, this isn't know? a job that pays you. You're not like yeah. – you're not in the, the kind of terrible situation that people can be 
and sometimes they're like, well, the, the money is really good. I can't say no to this because I got bills, yeah. you know? And, like, that that situation can kind of suck. Whereas here, it's like, yeah, get that experience. If you have the free time and you have the enthusiasm for it, do it. You I know? think that people in general should always challenge themselves and be thoughtful. You like, think I that? think, yeah? I, think, I, think the second part, I think the second part is incredibly important. Yeah. Incredibly important. That's the part that I think American culture shits all over all the be time. Be thoughtful. Challenge yourself and be thoughtful. Okay. Be thoughtful. Do not shit on other people. Do not step on other right. people. Like, right. be respectful to right. other people. Oh, this is like that dude that you were talking about on Twitter the other day who was talking about the after the after ACA passed after the the yeah. uh, the bill passed through Congress the the new health care bill. Uh, he was like, you know, now it's time to get in shape, everybody. Like, if if you're sick, it's on you because you're <laughs> oh, not healthy. Oh God, nope, uh, nope. That yeah. man is wrong uh-huh. in every way. Yeah. Health is ninety nine percent about luck, and I say this as a health as, nut. As a yes, certified yes. health nut, uh, the thing I I will say uh, one of the most recent uh, challenges that I had personally. So I, I do a lot of things. It, it's, it keeps me busy. I like that. Um, when I first became made a crew chief on my ambulance, which means that's the person who makes the decisions. Right. It, it, the buck stops with you. Somebody could be dying, and often they oh. are on an ambulance on a nine one one call. Their life is in your hands, and that was a pretty extreme thing for me to kind of step into and be like. Okay, <laughs> I've been doing EMS for a few months now. Uh, all right, I guess I'm going to make these decisions. Hope I don't give you the wrong medicine and kill you. Right. Uh, but honestly, I- I'm so happy that I did that. I'm so happy that I can now feel at least relatively comfortable with right. my own decisions and trust the crew that I ride with and trust, like, you know, my own knowledge and feel like, all right, with every situation, no matter how dire or how small, you can always take a deep breath. Look at what your options are and do it. And again, like if if it comes down to it, I know it's cheesy as hell, but like mantras help me. So like, challenge yourself and be thoughtful, and just use that as there is something really good about taking an opportunity that you're yeah. question that you have some questions about or, or that, that you're, you're scared maybe not one hundred percent sure. Yeah, of. right. Like consider that two and a half years ago. Very few people who are listening to us knew who the fuck I was, right? Like I was a freelancer and an academic in a small field in a not very large college um, in Canada. Uh, (laughs) And uh, so even taking the jump to Giant Bomb was already a big like, okay, like I'm pretty sure I can do this, but who knows? And then taking the jump here was similarly like I'm able to – I was able to do the thing where I built out a plan about what I wanted to build. I uh, you know, um, I guess unlike Patrick, I definitely had the thought with myself of like, okay – do I want to build a thing? Do yeah. I want to try to group up with people who I respect and like try to put a thing together where I am in a management role or do I want to stay a writer for now? Um, and, and I, you know, to some degree I could have done either. I, I like both quite a bit. Um, and then the thing that happened when I got here, which was, which was really great and was what I hope happened to Scott is you find yourself in a room where there are people who go like, well, what do you think about this? And then you go like, oh, I'm so glad I'm in this room. If I wasn't in this room, this documentary would be way worse. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> I'm contributing. Like, me being here is having a positive effect. Oh, who? what a relief. Like, not only did, was I, like, quote, unquote, qualified, but, like, I can see that I'm here for a reason in a way that will, will help, you know, will make things better. Being in a room where a decision gets made, my, my input helps. Even if I'm not as good at production as this professional producer is, I could never do the thing that they did. But I can say, like, let's not do long shots on computer hardware because, like, <laughs> it's not 2009. We're not The Verge, right? Like, yeah. which, uh, no shots at The Verge, which is, like, not who we are. Um, and so, and so, so, yeah, like, I think that that, that I'm hoping, like, 
or I think this is true in general for me when I've taken when I've pushed myself through, I've challenged myself, and when I've been thoughtful, yes. I end up getting this great good this feedback loop of like, oh, actually, like it's good that I was here. It's good that I'm here, and that's someone who's like historically very neurotic and I've, you know I grew up hating myself and all the things that a all lot of people that, yeah. in, who end up writing for video game websites do like <laughs> deeply filled with self-doubt and it's only been through putting myself in challenging situations and they you know thankfully being supported by people who are either on staff or elsewhere at, at the, the places I've worked um, where I've been able to build that that confidence that I can do more things and different things so Take the job, Scott. That's hey, my advice. You can do it, buddy. That's my non-legally binding yes. advice. <laughs> What's the thing the McElroys say? Is not, uh, the McElroys are not, not experts. Not experts. <laughs> I'm not an expert in anything except except transparency, which I've established. I think that's going to do it for us this week. Patrick, where can people find you on the internet? Find me at Patrick Klepek. Rob Zachney. At Rob Zachney. Danielle Riendo. Danielle R.I. You can find me on the internet at Austin underscore Walker. You can find everything that Waypoint does at waypoint.vice.com. We're on Twitter at twitter.com slash waypoint. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash waypointvice. We're on YouTube, youtube.com slash waypointvice also. Uh, you can go to our forums at form.waypoint.vice.com or discourse.zone. Uh, yeah. Shout outs again to Civil Twilight for setting that up. <laughs> That's um, good. You should go to the forums also starting very soon because we are doing a group playthrough of of uh, binary, binary domain. Yeah, yeah. One of us should make that that forum post today. Maybe we'll just make a, a news post on the site and then we'll turn that into a forum post. We're going to play through binary domain and then at the end of the month we're going to get together and we're going to talk about binary domain. It's our new video game book club. Also, a thing you should do is write into questions uh, as you write into gamingadvice.com. And use the subject uh, better name than video game book club uh, to, to suggest some names for VG. Uh huh. BC. Yeah. That's it. That's the one. Or just go to the forums and post about it there. Shoutouts as always, Dylan, Tim Barnes, Tim Barnes four five one on Twitter. Uh, and shout out to Bowen for letting us use his track Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. You can find out more about that at waypoint.zone slash B O E N. Danielle, what do we say to him? Be good and be good at it. Peace. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.